Love you, Marco. Uh, more impressions, please. <laughs> I like your stuff. It's much more spicy and interesting. Where the hell did that come from? Oh, I love you, Marco. Oh, my God. You're a great interviewer, a great conversationalist. I just never forgot you. <laughs> Babble Bullshit and Beyond is a new podcast hosted by me, Marco Kiris, conversing about my cage wage whirlwind ways and my perspective of the film biz during those days. A fun, fluff-filled funk with guests relating to all things film biz. Today on the show, we have my good friend, Mary Mastro, one of Hollywood's hottest hairstylists. For 30 years, Mary has worked in film and TV for such stars as Chris Pratt, Michael Keaton, Nicolas Cage, and Renee Zellweger, among countless more. We caught up with Mary at her LA home for an informative hour of her working world. Mary, thank you for coming on the show today from LA via Skype on this cold winter's day out here as you're schwitzing in the sunny, cashy, Cali lifestyle that you live. Thanks for having me. Maybe I should be Skyping you from the pool. <laughs> Don't. I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't wait to be there next week because I'm going to like roam around that pool in my thought and scare all those white tourists. I know. <laughs> those poor people. I'll think about shaving ahead of time. <laughs> Mary, I just, first of all, thanks again for coming on. And I do want to ask you questions. There are all kinds of questions because you are a hairstylist. Very few people know what that's like other than just, you know, you do hair, but there's a lot more to that from what I've seen on film sets. And when we met uh, way, way, way back, uh, again, my memory escapes me. I kept thinking it was Con Air, but I believe it was Face Off when we first met. Well, actually, no, it was Con Air. It was Con Air. Okay. Out yeah, in the desert. But I... But I came out in the desert, but I, I just came in to help out. Yeah, yeah. You were like a daily. You just kind of yeah, popped in Yeah, I was there for out. like a week or something like that. To be all the way out there for just a week, it's a big deal. But then we really connected more on Face Off, which was the very next film yeah. from Con Hare on, on my yes, end. Yes, anyway, yes, yes. You was. worked probably in between that. Yes. And you were, I think, the key hair person on Face Off, no? Yeah, I was the department head on that. Yeah, Already at that point, yeah, you had done Nick Cage's hairpiece on that. Is that not right? You designed it. You did, right? As a a department head, yeah, and I I worked on him. I did his. I did his hair as well. It was a great hairdo. Everybody comments on his hair just to let you know, like general population people mention his hair and how great it looked. And I'm like, well, I believe that Mary designed that for the director and the producers. That's what they wanted. Yeah. And Nick was in on that too. Oh yeah. Everybody was in on it. It was all, yeah. It was, it was a good look. I I think it worked very well for that character. Well, it was something different. From, especially where he came from with the uh, Con Air wig and so forth was a good transformation. Yeah. Well, he changed it up. Yeah. He changed it up on, he's, he's, he was, he changes it up on everything Mm -hmm. that he does. Just good. Not lately, not lately, but back in the day, back in the day, we did some fun things. Yeah. It was, and it was, that was, that was a, well, I thought that was really nice. I thought it looked great. And I just wanted to uh, yeah. kind of like tell the audience that that's kind of like where we, where we connected more was on face off because uh, you yeah. were the department head and uh, kind of moving back to the beginning, Mary, um, like myself and I kind of know, but a lot of other people don't know. First of all, where are you from? You're from Michigan outside of Detroit, I think, right? 
Yeah. Born and bred there from Italian immigrant parents? Well, my mother was. My father was born in, in Detroit. His his oh. family was from the same town that my mother came from. So basically it was like, yes. But he was an American Italian. I was under the impression that they were both from Italy, but uh, it's not the case. I think, he, no, he actually was not from Italy. My grandparents were from okay. the same town that my mother came from. Yes. You know, and half of my father's siblings were from that town. They immigrated a few years, you know, earlier. So my father was from here. Which is nice. So he adapted to the American culture and ended up working and being part of the workforce. Yes. Um, Mary, when you were in Michigan, you went to college, is that right? No, I never went to college. Okay. So very much like myself, you went to hairdressing school or did you yeah. have something else? I wasn't really sure how you no. started. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I always was interested in being a hairstylist mm. and while I was in high school, I was ahead of myself in, in credits. You know, you have to have so many credits to graduate mm -hmm. high school. And I was ahead of myself and they were offering a vocational school situation starting in my junior year. So I actually started beauty school in my junior year of high school. So I would do three hours of vocational school and then I would come back and I would take my math and my English and my whatever that that you had to, it was mandatory that I had to take, mm -hmm. but all the other stuff, I didn't need any other credits. So anyway, by the time I graduated, I had my license. Wow. That fast. So you're, you were a teen. Yeah. So I had a head start. Yeah. So when I was, um, even before I graduated, I was already working in a, a salon, but I was, you know, like those days, the apprentice, mm -hmm. you know, I was working for, you know, somebody and he was training me. It was a really high-end salon. It was a beautiful, beautiful salon called a meal salon and, um, all of the most elegant and, uh, she, women, and their families would come to this salon. So I learned the ways of, uh, I never, I never even dreamed that you, anybody lived a life like that because I lived a, a simple life with my parents. Yeah. I was exposed to all kinds of personalities in that salon, but yeah. So I started as an apprentice in a, this beautiful, beautiful place and I never looked back. Wow. So you basically worked in the Beverly Hills type of salon in Michigan exactly. and it was kind of like a natural progression to make your way west, 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 west. Well, it, it, everything that happened to me was organic. There's no doubt about it. I never tried. It was never my goal mm -hmm. in Hollywood. It just, it, it happened organically. I see. So Mary, you went to Chicago after Michigan, I guess, to work in, in bigger and better salons and then made your way into LA. Like how would actually, you know? no, actually I got married. Oh, and my then husband was a cameraman. Oh. He worked in television. He was like, you know, television news and, um, local television programming. He was born into a family who owned drive-ins, in movie theaters in Colorado. So he always had a dream of being a filmmaker okay. and he was trying to find his way. So he decided that he grew out of Detroit and he thought, well, he would go to Chicago because at that time they were doing bigger and better projects in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So we moved to Chicago and I was commuting back to Detroit every couple of weeks because I had my clients, you know, I mean, I had my business. I couldn't just up and leave my business while he was, you know, trying to make it in Chicago and it worked out great. He did several movies there and, you know, and I did my salon work. Oh, that was the transition to Chicago. 
we were there for several years and then he decided that he wanted to go back to Colorado. Oh, and so he was the one that was the driving force of moving West. Okay. Yeah. And what about you and your clients? I mean, were you okay with that starting over again in Colorado? Did you ever dream of LA was going to be your destination and be in the film business or was this? No, 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 not at all. I mean, you have to understand that there's more to the story. It's like, it's a multi-level. I met a a wonderful lady who's one of my best friends today. Her name is Jackie Callen. Mm -hmm. Jackie at that time, she was into music and she was a writer and she was a, uh, so she would do reviews on the bands that would come in Mm -hmm. and she was bringing me clients to the salon. I would be, you know, like Frankie Valley, the Doobie Brothers, uh, you know, Neil Diamond, all these people that would come at Kenny Loggins that come in and wow. perform in Detroit. And I would, you know, the, the Midwest was always the middle of their tour. So they needed haircuts by then. Right. Yeah. So she would bring me those <laughs> people. Anyway, when I transitioned to Chicago, it was still all salon work. But when we went to Colorado, I still continued my commuting situation Wow. because I had my clients to deal with. You know, they were, you know, was, I made good, you know, I was doing great. Wow. So I wasn't going to let it go, but I wanted to, and I wanted to support my husband mm-hmm. so that he could come up in his field. But it's when I was in Colorado that he heard that they needed a hairstylist in a television show that they were shooting actually in Denver. And I said, well, I have no experience in that. And he said, well, yeah, you do. I mean, you do celebrities. You, of course you have experience. And I, he said, go for an interview, see where it takes you. So I went for the interview and, uh, they hired me on the spot. Wow. No experience. But the experience I had that was important to them was that I had worked with celebrities and that I knew how to talk to them Mm -hmm. and to deal with them. So to them, that was more important than anything. So they hired me and they kept me so busy. That was Father Dowling Mysteries and Perry Mason. I worked for Viacom. Viacom was the company that was in Denver at that time. I did everything. Hmm. Everything that they did, I did pretty much. Just like that. Just like that. And it was made a salon world. I let the business go because of it. Wow. And I stayed in television and I never looked back. And uh, from there, and I was still working in Denver nonstop, I was hired to go and do the second Lonesome Dove. Wow. And that's where I got, and that's where I got in the union because it started out as a non-union job. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turned union while I was there. So I didn't even like try to do that. I mean, I was like, just (laughs) (laughs) I was really blessed. I mean, it was just meant to be. I mean, I know people struggle and they try so hard to get into into this world of, you know, the filmmaking world. And um, I mean, like I said, it just happened organically for me. That's all I can say. It was meant to be. Isn't that something that that happens to several people? And I've heard that story from from other people. Just you walked into it and you said, sure, I'll take the job or sure, I'll see where it goes. And and then all of a sudden you're you can't stop working. Yeah, it's as simple as that. So you made it to L.A. Was that the the, the next uh, step? I mean, between so you and your then, husband? Yeah. So then uh, so we decided to split up. I mean, we had been together for several years and it just it wasn't working. OK. You know, our personal life just wasn't working. So um, it was a lot of struggle, that mm-hmm. relationships. We decided to go separate ways. We stayed friends. You know, I mean, it's 
and we sold our home and and uh, made our way to Los Angeles because at that point it made sense for both of us to come to Los Angeles. I was oh. in the film business, and he was in the film business as well. He was still, you know, a cameraman, albeit struggling, but mm-hmm. you know. So we both ended up. We helped each other to move, and and we came and did our thing, and um, yeah. So that's how. And I never looked back. Never wow. stopped. I haven't stopped. Wow. So I, I mean, I didn't really know how you made it to LA. And then what did you get an agent, Mary? I mean, how does that work? I never had an agent until I have an agent now. Uh-huh. Um, because that's just the way the business went. I mean, if you don't have an agent, you don't, you know, mm-hmm. they don't want to. Back in those days, um, I did it all on my own, I would make my own contracts and my own whatever. But I had my, you know, people who would ask for me. And, um, directors, producers, actors, you know, they would say, Oh, I, you know, you know, call this person. That would oh. be me, you know, or whatever. I mean, that's how it was. It was word of mouth, just like any other business. I never mm-hmm. really thought of it any other way. It was like doing salon work. Yeah. Only <laughs> on a set. Only on a set. Wow. And, and somehow very quickly from doing from, you know, you're looking at your, your, your resume from doing TV shows to movies of the week. And all of a sudden you became department head. Uh, you became a department head on, on films just like that. I was a department head in Colorado. Wow. I came in. My first job was as a department head. Oh. Yeah. No, I know. I walked in, you know, the television series I told you about earlier. I was the department head. I didn't know a thing about, you know, what was happening on a set. But at that, in those days, they did a lot of hand-holding, I have to say. That was in the early 90s, right? Just to clarify. It was in the late 80s, even. Oh, late 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they yeah. did a lot of hand-holding on film sets. I mean, I don't know if you remember those days. I remember them from the mid 90s. Yeah, the 80s as well as an actor, kind of like a starving actor. But I was typical actor wrapped up into yourself. It wasn't until I worked in the mid 90s for Nick Cage that I start to understand what really goes on on a film set and notice people like yourself. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, until it was almost the mid 90s Mm. when you look because as a crew slash cast member, which is what I was as a standard photo double, I looked at the crew and then I looked at the cast and I was kind of like one and both. So I started to notice hair, makeup people when I was on a set working for Cage. Yeah, back in those days, hair and makeup people didn't have agents. That just didn't exist. Eventually started to change later, you know, I would say in the 90s. But I held out. I made my own contracts till oh, I don't even remember when I got my agent. It was 2007, maybe. Oh, my God. That re- <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because by then, everybody had an agent. Oh. And there were films were getting bigger. There were more projects. There were more people in the business. They were, uh, and if you, and you know, I didn't, you don't know everybody. So if you, unless you had an agent, you couldn't get your foot in the door. So I had an agent and experience. So that helped me a lot. And I, I'm still with the same agent. I've had her for, we've been working together for years. And and Mary, as a department head, is it, uh, is it you who decides who you want to work with, who you want to hire, or does it go through production? No, as a department head, I hire my own team. Okay. To, to come work with me for sure. Um, the only time production gets involved is uh, in in design work, and and it's mostly the you know the director, of course. Mm-hmm. Is when I say production, I'm referring to the director because it's their concept. And sometimes the producers get involved because they co-conceptualize you know the look of the film, mm-hmm. and so they are very much involved with what I put out. 
do you collaborate? Do you work with the director and the producer on the vision, or do they just kind of say yes to something that you like, or do you say yes to whatever they like? It's happened all of the, all of the above. Good morning. <laughs> Peter just woke up. Peter, oh, did you see him? Yeah. <laughs> He's going for his coffee. Good for him. Um, Lucky Pete. He should be in on this interview. He should. It's like you're the dual hair team. I didn't want to bring him in on this, but yeah. if there's ever a hair dual team, it's it's the husband and wife who are the A-lister team uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in the hair world, the film, film and t- well, not even yeah. TV, but in the film world now. Yeah. I'm in awe have- of his work. Yeah, he does great work. Yeah. Great work. But you both do. And you work together sometimes and sometimes you don't work together, but you're definitely known as the hair couple in uh, in, in LA. It's like the P&M show. Yeah. (laughs) So designing wise, it goes through, you know, every, every app. I mean, there's just different scenarios. Each film is different. Mm -hmm. Some go, just take it and run with it. Some go, we already have this idea. They'll give me pictures. Can you do something like this? Sometimes it's the, uh, the actor who says, nah, you know, I, I I don't want to look like this. I want to look like that. I'm like, okay. So we just kind of play with it. We use Photoshop a lot so Mm. that they can visualize themselves, you know, because it's character work. You know, sometimes they really have to change it up. Sometimes, you know, it involves major changes, even with makeup, you know, to change their look completely. Do you find it? It's it's the same amount of work to work on men's hair versus women's hair, Mary? No, I'd say it's equal. Okay. I'd say it's just as much work either way. And most of the time these days... Actors, and mm-hmm. that includes male and female, don't use their own hair. They use wigs. Yeah. And they use wigs not because they don't have hair. They mm-hmm. use wigs because they don't want to sit in the chair and have somebody styling their hair for three hours <laughs> <You know? laughs> every morning at, at 3 a.m. They just want to come in, put the hair on me, call it a day, you know, and then let's go. So, yeah. And also, you know, I mean, think about it. And let's just talk about women. Let's think about this. Actresses change their look every movie. One time they have short hair, one time they have long hair, one time they have red hair, one time they have blonde hair, one time they have black hair. You know, they're not going to die and cut their hair every, they can't. Wow. Years ago, it was different. They would cut their hair. They were. Yeah. Years ago, it was different. Sometimes we don't have time to have a wig made. Sometimes we just have to pull it out of our butts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it takes, it takes what, a couple of weeks to make some of these wigs? Two or more weeks. Yeah. It takes time. They're very, 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 you know, intricate little pieces. I mean, each hair is actually hand tied. So it takes time. Sometimes we are in a situation where they don't cast someone up until, you know, a week ahead and they want a major change. So what do you do? You know, I mean, you come up with whatever you can come up with. We have to adjust to whatever the scenario is. Mm-hmm. What uh, have there been mistakes, Mary, on sets? I mean, have you or other people without mentioning any names, have there been um, mistakes on extensions or wigs or? Well, the only mistakes. Yeah. Here are the mistakes that can happen on film. Mm -hmm. Continuity is one. You have to really watch because we don't shoot in sequential order. Mm -hmm. We might shoot. We might start the first day of shooting with the last 
15 and then come back to scene 20 the next day and then go hop over to 80 the next day or a scene, you know, we don't, we flip flop. And so those are different screen days and different scenes and hair moves. So you have to be very, very diligent about, about taking pictures of, you know, how it was so that you can blend it into when you, like if mm-hmm. you do 80, scene 80 today and you don't do scene 81 for five weeks, yeah. <laughs> you know, you need to remember what you did in scene 80, right? Yeah. So there, there's continuity and yeah, you can make big mistakes and it does show. It mm-hmm. shows a film. Um, do they cut it out? Mary, do you do reshoots when it comes to that? If it's fairly important or do they just say we don't have the budget for it, we'll cut around it in the editing room. Can they play with it? Oh, no, no. They're, they're, the mistakes are never that big. That would, I mean, if they had to reshoot it, if they had to spend the money to reshoot something like a hair mistake, mm-hmm. believe me, the hairdresser would have been fired a long time okay. ago. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they don't tolerate that. You cannot make a mistake like that. Yeah. yeah, no. And the other mistakes would be, and they're not mistakes. Sometimes they just happen by accident. Say we're using um, lace wigs, Yeah. you know, for instance. You're dependent on how the gaffer is lighting and how the DP is filming. I mean, everything is about the lighting. And sometimes, you know, sometimes things will show that are not meant to show. Mm -hmm. Uh, But sometimes it's beyond your control. So it's not really a mistake. It's just, you know, a product of, you know, but it's up to us to to see it. I mean, I'll know when something's going to show or not. And I will go to the script supervisor and I'll say, this isn't going to work. This is going to show on film. This doesn't match that, blah, blah, blah. So they know right then and there, you know, I, I call them on it so that they don't come back to me a month later and go, well, you did this. And you, you know what I mean? It's not, you know, to, um, yeah. So that's my job. My job is to watch that. And sometimes things happen that are beyond my control. Mm-hmm. So I have to, you know, I have to step in and say, look, the lighting is this way and it's causing this to happen. Mm-hmm. I can't, that's nothing I can hide. You need to adjust you know, the light, do adjust the light. And if yes. they're not willing to adjust the light, it's noted that I mm-hmm. said something. Which is very you see fair. What I'm saying? Yes. I've and seen that on film sets. And therefore it's not a mistake. Mary, you guys, hair and makeup, I mean, in particular, are watching through the sidelines and sometimes through the director's monitor as well. Right. And you, you don't, you guys never leave the set from what I remember. I mean, unless it's Cannot. checking the gate, no, you, you get can't. to run and go to the bathroom and come right back because <laughs> yeah. they could touch their hair like I'm doing right now. It doesn't match. Yeah, it doesn't match. Yeah. And checking the gate equals basically that's the shot that they're going to use, I'm going to guess. Is that right? Yeah. But if it's but if I feel like it's not going to work, again, I go right right to the director and go, no, that does not match. Mm. That does not match. So if you want to reshoot it, do it now before you move on. Yeah, because sometimes they don't notice it. They don't notice it. They're not, they don't watch my hair. They're yeah. watching the acting. Yes. They're watching other things. They're not watching. It's my job to watch the hair. So then they mm-hmm. have, you know, these days they have video playback so they can go back and review it and decide, is it worth going over and doing one more time? Or do we think it's passable? And then they decide then and there, but it's my job to make them aware of it so that they don't have to go back and reshoot it. If they have to go back and reshoot it, it costs them thousands of dollars to put a crew back Mm -hmm. together. I don't even know what it costs per hour to film anymore. 
I mean, I know it used to be unbelievable because there's so many people involved. There's a lot of, you know, it's very expensive Yeah. to shoot a film per hour. Do you know and what it is now these no, days? I, I I really no, I really think it, it varies between, uh, you know, whether it's a TV show, whether the high end, you know, Game yeah. of Thrones type of show, whether yeah. it's a, a yeah. Brookheimer yeah, production, yeah. who knows? It yeah. could be yeah. $200,000. It could be, you know, 48000 Yeah, yeah I, I think it can be even more. I think it could mm-hmm. be 100000 an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, honestly. So I don't want to be on the back end of it's my, you know, I don't want anybody saying it's my fault that we're reshooting something yeah. over hair. You know what I mean? So no, I what, definitely watch it. There's a lot of responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, I, when I you're agree. talking about, cause you're, you're, you're handling thousands and thousands of dollars of somebody else's money and time mm-hmm. on your mistakes. Not yeah. going to do it. Not happening on my watch. Oh, no. That's what so. I always tell people, Mary, that you really have to be the best of the best to be working on those. I call the A-lister films because mm-hmm. you can't make those mistakes. You really have to be there and monitor everything that's going yeah. on. If you're hired for a job, there's no messing around. There's no hanging out on your cell phone for like 20 minutes, taking care of no. your kid. It's all no. about whatever that shot is. And that's it. If you want to do anything yeah. else, you, you move on. Yeah. And I'm not saying I don't make mistakes. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, every time I've never sat through a movie that I've done where I haven't seen things that I would have done differently. You know, it just happens. But sometimes things are beyond your control. Yeah. You know, yeah. wind. Yes. Rain. <laughs> I always worry about that. When I see that, I'm just like, oh, my God, how are they going to do this or how are they going to do that? And they somehow they work around it. Yeah. Let me ask you, Mayor. You are, first of all, you know, according to the resume and, and knowing you and Peter, for that matter, your hubby, uh, are very well liked. You're very well respected. It's taken, I'm going to say, at least 30 years of a lot of hard work. You've earned the yeah. reputation you have for both of you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, walking into it was somewhat easy, but you had to prove yourself that you were that person who can manage, a, you know, these actors on a film set from the get go. And that yeah. just kind of pushed you forward into this A-lister yeah. world. Between the two of you, do you see yourself working past your retirement years? Because now it seems like you are, you're so much in demand for both of you. You're probably more yeah. in demand now at this age in your, in, in your later life than you were 20 years ago. Yeah, the calls keep coming in and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're hard to say no to because, uh, you know, for, for many reasons. I mean, maybe it's the script or maybe it's the actors you'd be working with, or maybe it's, you know, whatever the deal is, but, um, yeah, it's hard to say no sometimes, you know, I mean, I've got several years before I think about about retiring, but even if, you know, sometimes I say, and you've heard me say that sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to, I'm just going to do one movie this year. Or I'm going to, I'm just going to slow down a little bit because, but then, you know, then a script will come in that is like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. And I'll just do it. I remember I mean, you've look, told me about a bunch of them. Go, you know, then I'll go a whole year nonstop and then yeah. I won't have any time off at all. So, I mean, it just, Peter, Peter's been trying to slow down and he can't, he <laughs> keeps getting, you know, people asking for him and like, you know, and he's like, well, okay, maybe I'll do one more. Okay. Ah. Maybe I'll do one more. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, does that not make you feel good that you guys are 
you, first of oh, all, you amazing. guys are wonderful at what you do. And I've been on it's the amazing. sets enough with both of you and separately, yeah. and I've seen it. And anybody I talk about, you know, I talk about, you know, Peter, there's nothing but, and I don't mean Hollywood bullshit, Mary. I mean, there's nothing but good words to say about Peter. You're a hubby oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so he's always in demand. The guy's yeah. like, he could do 10 movies a year if he could squeeze them in only because they keep asking. Let me ask you, Mary, with that, um, that you're both in demand you're, and you travel a lot, as we had said, what is it like traveling all the time? Because you're always away. You're, I mean, yeah. it's exhausting. You just came back from London. You were in Atlanta. You're filming here. You're filming there. Uh, these are different movies you're working on. You're doing reshoots. You're doing um, some pre-production things. I mean, it's all over the place and you have to keep your head and your actors in line. Yeah, it's not easy. It's really not easy. It's not something I ever thought would happen because when I first started in the business and even up until a few years ago, everything was shot here in LA. Mm -hmm. In the morning, I drive to work, I come home at night. But um, that isn't the case anymore. They only really shoot television here and commercials in yeah. LA. Um, they do some features, but not very many. Most of the features are taken out of California. They're being shot all over the country and in Europe. A lot mm -hmm. of films being done in Europe now. Surprise. And because I'm in features, I go where they go. So mm -hmm. um, I do work in Atlanta a lot. There's, you know, right now the state of Georgia offers, you know, incentives that are hard for the film business to pass up, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and of course shooting in Europe is a lot less expensive. Um, but, it, but, you know, the only reason I shoot in Europe is because I go as somebody's personal. Mm -hmm. They will not take, if I were a department head, believe me, they wouldn't take me to Europe. I mean, because there's so many qualified people all over the world now that do film. I mean, this is not just a, a California industry anymore. It's a worldwide industry. And there's a lot of talent out there mm -hmm. behind camera and in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. So I'm, um, yeah, so I travel because I'm tied to certain actors and mm -hmm. um mary with these certain actors that you're tied into let me ask you you've uh you are you've 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 been a personnel for several different actors and and constantly on request uh, yes. how do you manage to you know please them to be on the set i mean meaning to do there as many movies as you can with them without because you have to say no for you know if there's one actor asks you to be on a film set it uh, it clashes with another actor that you've worked closely with um you what happens yeah i mean how do you wise, yeah. Uh, yeah schedule wise like how do you how do you not, you know, insult them by saying, I can't work for you, Mr. Keaton, because I'm with Mr. Pratt or Mr. Pratt, I cannot work for you because I'm with Mr. Keaton on this film. I mean, how does that work? Unfortunately, I, it's a beyond my control because I mean, schedules are going to clash. There's just going to clash right now. Um, I've been working specifically with Chris Pratt. Mm -hmm. Well, let me just say this. I was with Michael Keaton for 15 years, 15 years, 15 years. Wow. And all the while that I was him. with him, I would say to him because he was so loyal to me, mm -hmm. I would say to him, okay, so here's the situation. If you know that there's something coming on down the pike, even if you haven't signed a deal, you need to let me know because if something comes up, I want to be able to be available for you. 
Mm-hmm. So I need to know what's in your future so that I can gauge what it is I can and cannot do. Because if you're not going to work for three months or four months, I might go off with Renee for three yeah. months. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But if you think at all that you're going to do a movie two months from now, I need to know so that I can say, Renee, I don't know. I think I might be committed to something else, blah, 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 or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, honesty, I mean, communication is everything. It is everything. It's everything. And honest communication is key. Honest communication. All the time. It it really keeps it going. And you're living proof, both you and Peter. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I do the same with Chris now. I have to ask you a silly question. I know all these these actors are great. Um, If you could pick three actors, just three favorite actors that you've worked with, and why? I oh my goodness! I have the nicest clients in the world. You do. Um, <laughs> I've seen the roster. I do. The, and oh, they're great people. Having met them, but, but I have to say, I mean, we've been talking about my favorite three mm-hmm. <laughs> the last few minutes. Honestly, I adored working with Renee. Yeah, sweetheart. And Michael and <laughs> Chris. Okay, I love them all, but yeah. those are my three favorites. I have to say, they are my three favorites. Uh, but you know who else I love? Who? I love Chris Pine. Oh. Love Chris Pine. Yeah. I love them all. I'm telling you, they're so, I think in this business, like attracts like. Mm-hmm. All of the actors that are attracted to me are attracted to me because they, cause they're easy going and they can trust me. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. You know, they have to be able, they have to like who they're spending their time with. And so do I. I don't want to spend my time with a jerk. Mm-hmm. day in and day out. You know, I don't. In this business, I, I think it's key. And I, I and again, that's why I continuously yeah. congratulate you and Peter, Mary, to be yeah. on a set for 12 to 15 hours a day. Um, yeah. You have to like what you're doing. And at the yeah. same time, the, the actors have to like you and you have to like them. It, it yeah. needs to be on that level. There's no ego. Yeah. And for to, that matter, Nick, Nick was one of my faves. Mm-hmm. I loved working with Nick. Very easygoing. Loved working with Nick. He's very professional, very, very professional man. On his mark, on time. Always, always, always. Yeah, he was always, you know, once he was at work, there was no ego. It was, he got that work done and he did it brilliantly. Yeah, and I, you know, I learned a lot from him actually. Mm -hmm. Because he was very particular about how we represented him. You Mm -hmm. know, if we were late for work and... You know, it would embarrass him if we didn't we prepared for work. It would, you know, he didn't, you know, he wanted to be represented perfectly every single day because he was a professional. He was. And he still is, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I he agree doesn't tolerate you. zero tolerance. I if agree. If something didn't, if something wasn't right, he didn't like the way you behaved or performed or this or that. You just didn't work for him. Mm-hmm. You just didn't. And, um, and I still am like that. And I, you know, I don't like it when I see unprofessional behavior around me. I think, oh my goodness, how in the world, that's probably why I'm still working. That is exactly why you're still working, Mary. (laughs) That's why, that's why, that's why, why, because I'm a professional, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I act professionally. I'm not a, you know, not a screwball. I just do my job. I just do my job. Yes, I, I agree. So Mary, I'm down to my last little question. 
Or, or, or one of my last questions. Yes. I, I thought about this because the, the business is, is grueling and, and I have my own take on it because I'm not a craftsman. Would you do everything you did over and over again? Do you have regrets being in the film business or Mary, would you prefer to have been, you know, owning a little, a, a nice salon, a Shishifufu salon in Michigan or in Colorado versus all the travel and being in this oh. business? Oh no, I would never, ever trade it ever I okay. think I think my life has been so full and so much fun mm-hmm. and so interesting. I've met so many people. The only thing I would do different is I would still own a salon in Michigan. <laughs> I, would, I would do them both. I would do them both. And why I didn't do them both, I don't know. I don't know. You know, Yeah. the sky was the limit. I limited myself to one career and I could have had both of them going I just, who knew? (laughs) As I look back on it, I would have loved to have had the best of both worlds, but I got the best of this world and I'm, couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier. And it shows. And and with with Peter, it really shows. You guys are basically the A-listers in your field. So it's, and and you've worked really hard now into, into these years. So yeah. good for you. I was just kind of curious about that because different people think differently. Uh, I have no regrets. Good. good. None whatsoever. Everything happened organically. Everything happened the way it was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Was it all easy? No, it wasn't all easy. It was a lot of hard work, but everything in life is hard work has its ups and its downs and it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you want to maintain and have a good thing. Yeah. It's hard work. Nothing happens that easy. Yeah. No, I, I mean, agree. it happened easily, but maintaining it is not easy. I agree. <laughs> maintaining it is hard. It's hard work. It is. So it's, it's once you're in there, I felt yeah. the same way with Nick Cage. They're like, Oh, you had it easy. I said, no, getting the job no, was wasn't. easy. Holding on to the job was hard because yeah, you really had to prove yourself when you're on that set because oh, you're easily let go in five minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. You have to prove your worth. I mean, they, there's a reason why they kept you there. Yeah. There's a reason why they have you. And, um, if you can't, if you can't step up to that plate, then you're gone. Every single day of the week, whether it's 5 a.m. or 5 p.m. And every job, every across the board, but especially in ours. Yes. Which is, uh, it's a toughie. And in these days, it's become very, very militaristic. It's very, you know, it's very, everything is timing and rules and this and that. And it's, um, it's not what most people think it is. Yeah, I agree. And there's a lot of security and, 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 you know, you get slapped across the, you know, basically, you know, you're, you're fired if you, um, breach security rules in terms of scripts or storylines or certain oh, actors yeah. who want to remain anonymous. And, yes. There are a lot of film people who listen to the podcast, younger people, and they, a lot of them think they know what, it, what it takes to also be in the business as a hair or makeup person, but it, it really is a lot. And just to hear a few things from where you're coming from and still not be jaded and still not be rude and crass. You're just on it 30 years mm-hmm. later. Um, you know, it's a tough business and you treat it as that, but you treat it with kindness because the people around you are kind. You're always learning. Yeah. You have to learn. You have to keep learning new things, new technologies. Um, 
you know, there's, it's not, uh, it's not just about bending hair or puffing, you know, put powder on somebody's face. It's, it's much, much more than that. Mm -hmm. Much, much more than that. I agree. Thank you, Mary, for that insight. I really appreciate it, honey bunny. And, uh, and, uh, we will talk to talk Being soon. Out of my comfort, out of my comfort zone. Yeah, because you're not used to it, but I really <laughs> but appreciate it. So that was nice. I'm not used to it. I know. I know. It was well, nice. It's easier looking at your face. My well, brother from another mother. That's exactly right. The other M word. <laughs> the other M word. <laughs> Thank you. Talk to you later. Ciao. Bye. This concludes our conversation with Mary Mastro, one of Hollywood's finest hairdressers. And until next time, this is Marco Curis signing off. <laughs>